Well, this morning we will be continuing our series called Wonderful Words. We've been going for many weeks now on many wonderful words found in the Bible, and this week is no exception. We will find a wonderful word in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. I don't know if you can guess what word we're talking about, but often Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Faith, as it explains and, and lists so many men and women in the Old Testament who were used by faith to do what God wanted them to do and to live for God and to please God with their lives. And this morning we look at faith, now in 2021, and although things have changed, culture has changed, our placement on this earth has changed, but our need for faith hasn't changed one bit. In fact, maybe our need for faith is even stronger than it was back then, but I would say it's the exact same. Our need for faith in the right thing, or should I say in the right person, is essential for our lives. Often our faith is something that can uh, kind of be varying depending on how things are going in our lives. But if our faith is true biblical faith, faith that the Bible teaches us, then it doesn't need to be that way. And so this morning we are first going to define what is faith of the Bible. Because so often we can define faith however we want. You might even hear someone when something bad happens in their life say, Oh, it's okay. I know everything happens for a reason. That's faith, right? But is it biblical faith? You might hear someone else say, Oh, it's okay. Things are going to go better in the future. That's faith, but is it biblical faith? This morning we want to look at this passage and we're going to actually jump back into chapter 10 to kind of define what faith is a little bit and then we'll get into uh, chapter 11 as well. But the one thing about faith that we have to understand is faith of the Bible, faith that's taught by God's word, is multifaceted. Often the faith that we find in our world that just people talk about, just kind of good feelings or, or good vibes about the future or our hopefulness is not biblical faith because it's one-dimensional. Biblical faith is two-dimensional or multifaceted. The first dimension that uh, faith takes is that faith must believe in God. Biblical faith must believe in God. See, faith is only as good as the object that it's connected to. When we believe in something, we have to have mental knowledge. And so here we read in verse 35 of chapter 10, it says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. He's telling the believers here, these Jewish believers, he's saying, hey, continue in the faith. Continue in living for God. Continue in the will of God. God's desire for your life. See, what it's saying here is that faith is not just this random thing that we just kind of like a crutch that we live by and say, well, when things are going wrong, I can't answer everything going on in my life. I don't know the reasons. I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to 
say faith or say I believe that things are going to get better in the future, but really have no object or no concrete anchor to hold on to. That's not biblical faith. Biblical faith is looking at the will of God in the word of God and saying there are real promises and real commands and real truths that I can, I can anchor myself to as I have a relationship with God. And as I anchor myself to them, that is a true objective faith. A faith based on something much stronger than myself. A faith based on a person, a God who loves me, is all-powerful, is all-knowing, is everywhere at once, and time has no control over. That God is who I will anchor myself to. Verse 37 says, For yet a little while, and the coming one will come, and will not delay. That's concrete faith. That's faith in an objective thing that will not change. That will happen. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So what is faith first? Faith first is believing in God. He is our anchor. He is truth. It is a mental aspect of faith, a belief, which is normally how the verb form of faith is translated in the Bible, belief. But it can't just stop there because many people have belief in a lot of different things and some even objective things. And we also we realize that there's people, even as the Bible says, that there's even demons who know who Jesus is. But do they have biblical faith? So a head knowledge, an understanding of God's word and of who God is, is not the only thing that makes up biblical faith. The other facet of biblical faith is faith is not only believes God, but faith is committed to God. So we could say that faith has creed, what we believe, but faith also has commitment. I heard a great, uh, actually read, a great uh, definition of faith, an alliteration of faith in, in the book that, uh, that J.I. Packer wrote about these words. And it is, forsaking all, I take him. Forsaking all, I take him. That's a great thing to remember. We do grace, God riches at Christ's expense. And we have faith, forsaking all, I take him. An illustration that kind of helps with it, I think kind of the two tie well together, is an illustration by J.C. Ryle. He says, faith is the hand of the soul. We can believe about God, everything about his word, and say, yep, it's all true, it's all true, it's all true. But we have to go beyond believing about God and committing ourselves to God. So we take our, the hand of our soul, of our spirit, and we latch on to who God is. So when things are tough and hard and we have questions, we may not know anything about anything else, but we latch on to God. Now those two facets, when they are brought together in the life of a person, of a believer, is biblical faith. And where do we see that? In verse 1 of uh, chapter 11, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's an experiential belief. It's not just, well, I hope that's true. It's saying, I know the things that I look forward to 
are true. Why? Because I objectively connect myself to God. I, I have the knowledge of God through his word. But then I also, in action, cling to those. I hold on to those things. So even when my temporary life may be falling apart, it may be very difficult. I look to the hope of the future. I look to the hope of, of joy and of peace and of strength and of comfort that I can find in God that he's promised to me in his word. And then it goes on in the rest of the verse and it says, not only is faith the assurance of things hoped for, it's the conviction of things not seen. We don't like to not see things. That is not something that humans normally enjoy. You know, when you have to go through your house in the middle of the night, maybe the electricity went off and you've got to go try to see if it's a breaker, right? And you got to go down, well, when I grew up in Wisconsin, you'd have to go down into the dark, nasty basement. Cobwebs and things you can trip over and who knows what's on the ground down there. And you kind of feel your way because, you know, your flashlight's out of batteries as normal or you can't find it in the dark. So you go down and you kind of feel your way. And it's very uncomfortable and you, you just kind of assume something bad around you is happening. That's not faith. Faith isn't only believing when you can see things. Faith is believing when you can't see things. And so here, God tells us that true biblical faith is in action. It's believing the things we can't see. It's believing the truths of God's word, even when it doesn't feel like they're true. It's believing uh, the gospel that we have victory over sin because of Christ and his righteousness on our account and the spirit working in us, battling our flesh. When we don't feel like we're strong in Christ, like we have the spirit working in us, do we still believe? That's faith. And then in verse 3, it kind of gives us an illustration of what that looks like. It says, By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. What is he saying there? He's saying, the author is saying, that look, here's a perfect illustration that we need to believe that God made the universe by his words. By the power of his words. Do we understand that? Have we ever seen anybody make something from the power of their words? I have not. I don't believe you have either. Have we seen something be made out of nothing? I have not. And I don't believe anyone else has. So why do we believe that's where faith is? We understand that God says it. We understand who God is. And we actively cling to the truth of what he says and who he is by his nature. How often do we live by that kind of faith? And you say, Dan, well, I believe in creation. And Dan, I believe in, in a lot of these other things, these facts, these things that maybe I don't feel like they affect my life. But do you believe that God is good in the worst of times? The Bible says it. It's who God is. And I know your brain believes it. But what about your commitment? Have you latched onto that in the struggle you're in right now? So faith is two-faceted, right? It's faith has to have a, a mental aspect of, of understanding, of believing who God is. 
but then it's also an active or a commitment factor of latching on to that belief and those truths. And as we go on, we not only see that faith is multifaceted, but also faith is imperative. It's not only multifaceted, it has those two facets to it, but it's imperative. It's imperative for all of us. It's essential to life. It's essential to living for God and having a relationship with God and growing in Christ. It's essential not for only for our salvation, but for our sanctification. We have to remember, if we see in verse 2, it says, For by it, the people of old received their commendation. What does that mean? It means that they, the people all before this was written, all those who followed God, who please God with their lives, that's what it means by commendation, that God commends them because he, they pleased Him with their lives. Every single one of them, did they do it by following the law? Nope. They could never please God by being good enough. You have to remember, who was this book written to? It was written to Jewish believers, Hebrews. And what did the Jewish believers, what were they pulled out of? They were pulled out of Judaism, which had become, uh, which had become a, a religion really based on following the law of God. And what is the author saying? The author is saying, no. You can never be commendable before God. You can never be pleasing to God. You can never live up to the expectations of God by following the law. It will never happen. In fact, that's what the Old Testament was there for, to show us no matter if the people of God had a king or if they had a prophet or if they had a priest or if they had uh, the perfect law that was given to them by God or, or, or if they were captives or if they were free, whatever was happening, that they could never earn God's favor. It could never happen. They tried all of the things. But you know how they and we can be pleasing to God and have a relationship with Him and that someday He will commend us simply by putting our faith in Him, believing on who He is and what He has promised in the gospel and then latching on to it with all that we are. The first commandment that Jesus told people, the greatest commandment in the Bible is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. That's faith latching to God. And when we do that, we get to know him, the greatest gift ever to man, that we can know a God who we were at once enemies with. How do we access the grace that is given to us in salvation, the grace to know God, the grace to be gifted by spiritual and physical blessings. That grace is connect. We are connected with that grace through faith. When we latch on to what God has promised us and who God is. So it's imperative. That imperative important part of our lives in faith is first experienced at salvation. And I would hate to ever go over a word like faith without explaining salvation. I don't know who's watching this stream this morning or may watch it a year from now or 10 years from now as it's on YouTube and other streaming services. But I would hate to not take the opportunity to share with you the greatest question is how 
do I put my faith in God? How do I put my faith in Christ? It starts with salvation. And a jailer, a Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16, the story is told of Paul and Silas, these two men of God who were preaching for God, got thrown in jail. And God, through his supernatural power, opens all the gates and the jailer is about to kill himself because he thinks all the, all, the, all the people in jail, all the prisoners are gone. And Paul and Silas say, stop, we're here. And they must have been singing and speaking of God all night because it was like all of it finally came together with him. And God opened and enlightened his eyes. And what does the Philippian jailer say? What must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas, they use a very simple sentence. They say, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. He had to believe on who Jesus was. He had to have the right creed, the right, the right belief in who Jesus was. And then he had to reach out with the hand of his soul and connect and cling to who Christ is for him. And this morning, have you ever placed your faith in Jesus Christ to be your Savior? You might say, I know he's the Messiah. I know he's the Savior of this world. I know he came to save man from sin, but I don't know if I've ever connected to that truth. I know it here, but it's never been a part of my life. I've never actively grasped it. And if God is talking to you right now and he's, he's, he's giving you this, this uh, enlightening of your mind and of your soul to say, I need that, then respond to him and I would say the same thing to you that Paul and Silas said to this man. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. An interesting part of the, the verb there, believe on, is that this is the only place in all of Greek literature that this, this word structure is used, believe on. The word believe is the word for faith just in verb form. It's the exact same word, but they just made it into a verb. But then it uses the word on, another word that it adds to it. And there's no other place in all of classical literature that uses this form, believe on the Lord Jesus. Because this is a type, a different type of belief. It's not a belief just with the head. It's believing on, it's giving ourselves fully to that. It's, it's as, as it says in the acronym, it's forsaking all, I take him. Have you ever forsaken all the other ways that you think you can be a good person that you think you can live for God because well you've grown up in a Christian home or or you've you've been baptized but you've forsaken all those things and saying those will not save me but Jesus will save me by his grace and connect to that grace through faith in him and then not only that faith is started at salvation. But we also know, need faith as we live for God post-salvation. We call sanctification. James 2, it says, Faith without works is dead. 
He's saying if we just have this mental faith, but it never changes our actions, it never, cha never changes our commitment. That's not biblical faith. Faith without works is dead. Or Philippians 2, which tells us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That's faith that has action. That's faith that doesn't just, just logically or mentally connect to a truth, but it's physically and actively saying, I will do what God says for me to do, and I will depend on his strength and his power. That is faith of the Bible, and that is faith that truly changes lives, not just for today, but for eternity. And I trust that if you've never put your faith in Christ, you never with your mind said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that I'm a sinner and I deserve nothing because I have done nothing good, nothing that would be acceptable to God. But I believe that Jesus came to save me from my sins. And you cling to that today. God says you will be saved. And maybe you said, I've been saved for a year, five years, 10 years, 30 years. But the reality is I have fallen away from living by faith. I have become off-centered in what I put my faith in. Maybe I'm living by my income. Maybe I'm living by my house and my comfort. Maybe I'm living by my family. But I am not living by faith in God. My focus has, has become off-centered. I've, I've placed my, my identity in who I am and other things. And, and I need to get back to living for God because my faith has been dead lately. It hasn't changed my life. I'm not seeking after God each day and growing closer to Him. This morning, you can come back to God. Why? Because, again... This God who we need to have faith in, it's imperative for us to have faith in, has said something else in his word in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning, repent. Repent of trying to earn Christ's forgiveness or earn Christ's commendation in your own way in any other way, in action, in baptism, in any spiritual act or behavior. Do that in salvation and by faith accept him. And take, take the promise of salvation through Christ. Or maybe you're a Christian and you need to confess that your faith has been put in other things. You have found your stability and your strength and your peace and your comfort in other things. And it's so easy to do in our world because we live in a comfortable world. But this morning you would say, God, I need to come back to you. I want to refocus my faith. I want to recenter my faith. You need to be the center of what I believe in. And I'll come back to you and I'll confess that. And Lord, you promise that you will forgive me. So I will cling to that forgiveness and I will cling to your future strength in my life starting right now for the rest of the days you've called me to. So we defined what faith of the Bible is. Now we get to look at the rest of the chapter and you say, wow, damn, there's like 37 verses left. We'll go quick. What does faith of the Bible look like in action? In this chapter, we have the incredible ability to go look at all of these people's lives, these testimonies, 
these examples for us who went ahead and by faith they pleased God. They were commendable. They were glorifying to God. You know what we could say about them? They, they accepted God's calling on their life and they accomplished the purpose that God created them for. Isn't that the greatest thing we're called to? To accomplish what God's called us to, and that is in general, he's called us to glorify him. What's interesting before we get into here, I want you to look at what these men and women have done for God by faith and how that was pleasing to God by grace. But then I also want you to remember, and we won't go through all of them, but I also want you to remember this, that none of these men or women were perfect because they were not commendable to God they were not accepted by God because of their perfection. They had none. They were accepted by God and able to be used by God because of their faith. They're clinging to who God is and who Christ is as their Savior. And even in the Old Testament, salvation was always by faith. We see that throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament. Faith was essential from the beginning, we're going to see in verses 4 to 7. This is before the flood, after the fall had happened. The first, the first two children, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. We remember the story of Cain and Abel. And Abel, we don't know exactly why, but his gift was, was closely aligned to what God had called him to. We don't know all of the details of why Cain's gift wasn't, if it was a hard thing or if it was actually a practice thing. But we know this, that Abel, even though it didn't end well for him on this earth, he was killed, he was murdered for doing the right thing. But it says, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. He pleases God still today. As we read this verse and we go in Genesis, we read how he had faith in God and he, and he by his testimony and his example of faith, can encourage us many thousands of years later to live a life for God. And by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And then in verse 6, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You notice the two faceted aspects of faith here? He has to believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. He believes the truth, but then he, he really grabs on to the reality that he will be rewarded for those truths, that God is actively working his life and he is actively clinging to God's promises. And Enoch did that and Abel did that. And next, Noah, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Can you imagine being the only person in the world believing this crazy thing? about a flood coming and building an ark in the middle of land. 
But Noah believed God. He put his faith. He not only believed it here, but he put action to his faith because he clung to the belief in God and his word. Next, faith was essential for the honored. Remember, this is written to the Jewish believer. And maybe they were struggling with, yeah, but is faith, is faith enough? Or do I, need to, do I need to also be circumcised? Do I need to also do all these Jewish traditions and religious good things? And the author says, well, what about Abraham and Sarah, verses 8 through 12? They were used by God through faith, through their faith in his word and promises. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. The father and mother of the Jewish people. These people who were highly honored to a Jewish believer. God says, do you know why I use them? Because of their faith. They're not only used in that way to begin the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, God's chosen people. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. They believed what they could not see. They believed God in his word, and they clung to that. They trusted God in the hardest of testing, gripping to the reality of his Godhead in verses 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Can you imagine if God has called you to sacrifice your child, your only child? And maybe he has, maybe he's called your child to the mission field or across the country to serve him or do something that, that makes you uncomfortable, but God has called them and you don't see it and you don't understand it and you don't know how it's going to work out or how you're going to handle it. But do you have faith? And the God who created all things, the God of all hope and all peace and all comfort and all joy and all knowledge and all wisdom, the God of all good, the God whose characteristics are far beyond our thinking, whose plan is far bigger than we could ever imagine. Will we trust that God, not only here, but will we cling to it in our attitudes and actions? Verses 20 to 22, faith was essential for seeing past death. 
By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings. He was about to die on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. These men were thinking far beyond their physical lives. They were thinking of a future, a hope. Why? Not in themselves because they were about to die. They were frail and they were broken and their life was almost over. But they didn't have faith in their bodies. They didn't have faith in this world. They had faith in the promises of their God. And they clung to them even at the brink of death, giving promises and blessings and direction for the next generation to take on the calling of God. Faith was essential for the leaders. Moses, who was the greatest leader probably, as the Jewish people would say, he was the greatest leader of the Jewish people. It was essential for his parents by faith. Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Parents, it's essential that we live by faith as we raise our children. But it was essential for being used by God to lead others in Moses' life. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. This was the greatest nation in the world at this time, the most powerful, the most, the most rich nation. He did not see by sight, he saw by faith. Because everything by sight would have said, why don't you stay in the good graces of your Egyptian family? That's going to help you more. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. Faith was not only essential for the leaders, Faith was essential for those being led. Verse 29, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. She was a prostitute. She was a very imperfect woman. But she pleased God and was commended to God, commendable to God, because she put her faith in him. Faith was essential for everything that has been done and will be done for God. Verse 32, And what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. 
we look at the believers who have, who have done great things for God and have suffered great prices for God. And we think, how can they do that? We live in such a comfortable land. We don't know what persecution is. How can these people do that? And they simply lived by faith. They lived by the promise of God that this world is not worth living for. That this world is temporary and short and, and it will always let you down when we live for it and put our faith in this world. But a world to come, the blessings to come, future and eternal existence with our Savior and with God, our Father, is worth suffering and dying for. Then lastly, faith is essential for everything done for God in the present and in the future. These last two verses speak of us. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. What those verses are saying is that we, we are the completion of what all of these men and women lived, suffered, and by faith existed for. That that would complete, it would make perfect God's plan that someday those in the first century and those in the 2021 20, would know Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and would live for him by faith. So this morning, it was good for them. I would say it was even essential for them. And it's essential for us today that we live by faith. What is your faith in this morning? Who is your faith in? If it's anything or anyone who is not God, you need to ask yourself, why? And how do I get my faith back? Maybe my faith has weakened, fallen away, off-centered. Maybe I've never had faith. I would tell you to reach out to God. Confess if you're a Christian that you have fallen away from him, that your faith has been off-centered on other things, and that you want to, in repentance, come back to him. And he promises that he will accept you as a loving father. And then also, those who may not be believers, you're not a follower of Christ this morning. God wants to accept you also. As a father, as, as, as he looks at the prodigal son coming back to him. And the only way for his acceptance is simply this, by faith. Knowing the character of God, knowing the promise of his son Jesus Christ as your savior, and clinging to that truth for you. And this morning I would challenge us that our faith would increase become stronger and more focused on who God is and what he's promised and what he teaches and what he wants for us. And we do that by reading his word and by praying and talking to him. And we look through God's word, yes, at what it means for us, but really looking for who God is and what he's promised to us and how he acts in our lives. And we cling to him by faith. This morning. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you gave us this chapter that encourages us, challenges us, 
Lord, I pray that we would put our faith in you and that we would live for you by your grace. And may we connect to that grace through faith, we pray. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. We'll see you next week right back in person at 1018 Parkway Drive here at Community Baptist Church. And uh, we look forward to being right back uh, together with Sunday School and uh, with our services and with Junior Church and all those things next Sunday. And we'll see you there.